Hello and welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. It's been the strangest of summers, what with the pandemic, lockdowns, and now even reports that the salmon runs have been the best in years. Was it because the rivers and lakes have been rested earlier in the year, but do we still need to preach caution that one swallow does not a summer make, and that the decline in salmon stocks is still terminal? Noel Carr, National Secretary with FISTA, the Federation of Irish Salmon and Sea Trout Anglers, joins me on this week's episode to discuss the green shoots from the summer runs, whilst also outlining the more deep-seated problems and threats that still exist in the fight for our wild salmon. Apart from the 2007 summer, we thought uh, that we haven't seen anything uh, of a resurgent in returns since then. And uh, we welcomed it. It was great to see it early. Spring had a good uh, few signs, but we, at the time, we said one swallow doesn't make a summer. Then it continued into June. Uh, The wet weather in July brought you know abundance really that we haven't seen in a while especially and it's lovely to see them coming back that early even in July especially the grills because they were used at this time of year to come in very poor shape and forms we used to call them here sharpening stones because they were the small thin scrawny quality of fish uh, at that stage and they were coming back from feeding grounds that weren't able to support them you know in the past and at many of the nasco uh, conferences since uh, really the 2010 onwards period we were hearing that the feeding wasn't there in the feed in in the grounds uh, that in actual fact used to traditionally support good quality fish coming back so from that point of view yes now, we still have uh, had a, a good July, and a, uh, a great July and, and a good August, but really the back end fish in, in towards the end of September, the last month of the season, is where in actual fact we will, will be the acid test to see if this is going to continue for this season. But uh, so the jury really is still out for a while and, you know, we will need a number of continuous seasons. Are you looking out for come the, the kind of back end um, of the season? Are you looking for kind of just the numbers to hold up? Are you looking for a decent increase? Yeah, uh, well, it's what we always wish for, to see them salmon clearing the falls, you know, at the crucial time of the year, really September, when in actual fact they will go to the, the you know, they're almost certain, you know, a high uh, uh, number of them will find their spawning grounds, you know. Uh, but really what we have got to do here really is do a number of things because there are political implications of this here. We've seen the fishery boards, uh, IFI, coming out with, you know, heralding the, uh, the announcement that they were coming back, you know, uh, in the, the numbers they were, which was good. We agreed, we welcomed, but it is... Uh, we're, we must be very uh, careful not to be complacent and that it's a, it's a reason for to do nothing else now because in actual fact, at this stage, we were st- campaigning strongly to increase the habitat enhancement ca- uh, programs within our 147 salmon rivers that in actual fact, uh, well over 100 are closed to taking a fish. And the rest are have you know quotas some that may not you know 
we're going we're on the downward trend for the future like the jewel in the crown is the moi and therefore like you know they have gone from 25,000 fish down to uh you know in the you know the mid uh 12,000s at the moment you know in uh in quotas so we're losing our capacity to spawn much greater than what in actual fact we need to you know work at in because mother nature and in the past, you know, allowed us just nearly to do very little, only get the water quality right and think, uh, a, a number of issues like that. But now, you know, it basically means that we, in the, our federation of 90 clubs, must up our game to tell our Inland Fisheries Ireland, to tell our scientists what in actual fact is happening, but much more importantly, to politically lobby for a better program of enhancement for the future along with the habitat enhancement in the north atlantic as well where the feeding grounds are and really the good news from that point of view is now that we have seen one season with fish coming back in high quality condition like sometimes they're almost maybe a kilogram or two a definitely a couple of pounds over the average that we used to get and much more importantly, they are in supreme condition as well. That proves that there is work in the feeding grounds and the, uh, or there is food there, you know, uh, to sustain the, the fish, uh, the migrating smolts going out. But much more importantly, uh, I think the protection program to pay off the f commercial fishermen in Greenland and Faroes is what really is making the difference now after the 2018 agreement was signed. With the Greens in government, uh, what I'm around there, are you hopefully to be a sea change in attitude towards the environment and towards fisheries? Yes, we're very hopeful this time. This is actually the, the most hopeful time for salmon since 2007. Uh, 2006, November, Noel Dempsey, uh, Fianna Fáil minister, actually announced the buyout but implementing the buyout at the time was a major uh you know achieve was, was going to be a major achievement and in 2007 june election the greens went into government with Fianna Fáil, if you remember and uh, lo and behold uh Eamon ryan became minister for communications energy and natural resources under that government and thankfully the, the implementation of that buyout at the time was huge, was successful to the extent. Now, there was a number of tricks pulled that time that we weren't happy with, but overall, the 1,500 drifts netsmen were bought out and a very small commercial quota was left from the draft net site. But that aside, that you know the draft the drifting uh, part of the commercial catch was taken out of it and that was a major achievement that was done under Eamon Ryan. Secondly, um, you know polit political uh, consequences at the time obviously the financial crisis struck 2010 and they were gone uh, but uh, the good news from our point of view is that not alone is Eamon Ryan back again as leader of the Green Party and negotiated in their 
campaign uh, manifesto last January, they actually included the salmon, the first uh, political party ever to do that, and to say no new forest fish farm licenses under their program. So not alone is the minister uh, returned in uh, having served his apprenticeship in 2006 to 2010, he's much, much aware, more aware than any other politician in the cabinet about the salmon. And uh, from that point of view, the Green Party have always been good to the wild Atlantic salmon. And we're hoping that this continues now. Um, it's not nearly as much about the finance and the um, the investment, but much, much more important is for a minister to understand what needs to be done now to get the uh, numbers increased. And hopefully, you know, we can say in a couple of years' time that, yes, the decisions made now and made in 2007 are just starting to pay off now, you know? Do you, the flip, I, I think the flip side as well of uh, the pandemic this summer, and I don't know whether you've seen it where you are now up in, in Donegal, is that people are kind of starting to appreciate nature more and wildlife. Um, you know, and I know even in the UK there was a, a surge in um, fish licenses being sold. Do you, are you seeing that as well, that like people are kind of turning back to nature and, uh, uh, and what's around us? Yeah, it, 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 we're seeing that all the time. As a matter of fact, the, the big argument, uh, in let, if we go back to 2005, 2006, when in actual fact we formed the lobby, you know, stop salmon drift nets now, uh, we actually, the biggest impediment to that uh, uh, implementation of that campaign uh, request was uh, coming from obviously the commercial side of the fisher fishermen, but once they saw the figures and the money, because they weren't getting much anyhow on that there, the the government at the time and Dermot O'Hearn wrote about it at the time, he's Minister for Foreign Affairs. They were worried about the backlash uh, from a uh, you know the voter in the in that election. As a matter of fact, that decision greatly enhanced their uh, their party uh, image because they actually got a big na a nature bounce out of it and along with the Green Party for actually saying that in actual fact we are saving the salmon, we are actually improving the habitat and that from in 2007 that actually was a big uh, learning curve for an existing government, even Fine Gael and Labour that actually, you know, acknowledged this at the time. They didn't think there was going to be such a positive bounce that, from it. So therefore, going back to that time, right through the noughties, right through now to 2020, we have seen, you know, that there is a greater appreciation. Obviously, the climate change issue is massive. And uh, they get the Green Party, hence gets 12 seats. But I would like to think some of those seats were got as well, you know, in the last, you know, few votes for, from anglers voting for a pro-salmon uh, policy. And uh, that's actually happening. Now, fast forward pandemic-wise, and uh, 
we have a lot of um, because of the nature of angling, probably golf as well to the social distance side, but I don't know what that's like, but definitely we have a lot more people visiting our rivers. Maybe not just fishing, but definitely walking, definitely aware. And when they actually see salmon clearing, you know, a falls, like, I mean, they're definitely, you know, much more, uh, you know, um, inclined to take that nature walk rather than one up a mountain or something like that. So it's a, from our point of view, we are seeing a lot more participation in outdoors in the valleys. And okay, that's good. And much more importantly, from an angling point of view, uh, we are getting a lot more interest. And uh, if you notice the, for example, the angling magazines are gone, you know, in a quarterly basis at the moment, and we're getting quite a lot of feedback saying this is the time they should be, not by monthly, but monthly they should be coming out because the insatiable appetite for all things angling and the promotion of angling spots and you know safe places to go fishing as well. Like I mean, is the the, the demand has never been more uh, popular, you know. So thankfully, you know, we're seeing a huge participation in uh, the sport this year uh, to the extent that like uh, we have quite a number of uh, inquiries on our rivers and many of them would be closed even to catch and release but they just want to know what the status of the river is and how can we get it back to the quality that will be uh, the scientist, the standing scientific committee will rule next year that it will be open for to take it, you know, uh, to go f fishing on, you know, because at the moment we are still, you know, in the recovery uh, ward with regards to quite a lot of our salmon rivers. I want to talk about the environment, um, you know, and fish farming. Um, because obviously it's been one of the kind of um, keystones in terms of your campaigning against. Um, you see what happened in Scotland um, and you get the sense over here that there was no, there was an appetite to increase fish farms in terms of, you know, they looked at job creations, you know, local factors affecting the economy, all that kind of stuff versus the environmental impact. Do you think the appetite for increasing fish farming industry is still going to go ahead in the foreseeable at a political national level? Yeah, uh, we can't stop an industry that's been there since the 80s, really, you know, started since the 80s. We can't do that. But what we can do is regulate them in such a way that the wild salmon habitat uh, doesn't suffer. It's not at the expense of our wild Atlantic salmon. That's all we wanted from the very beginning. And God rest T.K. Whittaker, uh, even though, you know, he saw a, an industry surviving, like at the time, Fonnet Fish, uh, going from strength to strength because the demand in the market for salmon has to be met one way or another. Uh, but our argument basically was that it shouldn't be at the expense of the wild and uh, that has continued. Yes, the, uh, we go to a national, uh, an international conference every year. Our uh, 90 clubs 
uh, see it as a very most important part of our uh, duties in the year. And uh, there's a, an international conference on it held in various places where the salmon are uh, still surviving. But last year, for example, uh, it was in uh, Norway. This year, it was virtual. But we basically come to it and they examine the state of the salmon every year. And um, it, uh, way back, at, I, was, I became chairman in 1999 for, of our federation. We had, you know, in the region of about 40 clubs at that stage in the the federation. Uh, we The most important thing that we have uh, done at that time, we have done since and at that time was to actually launch that campaign to be able to say whatever plans, whatever developments you're doing in open net cage, please, you know, make sure that it doesn't contaminate the waters and give increase the sea lice levels that actually uh, uh, jeopardize the migration of our smolts. And really, when our smolts go out into the estuaries and there's a fish cage or a salmon uh, farmed uh, number of cages in the estuary, IFI uh, scientists uh, you know, assess that about 40% of that population of migrating smolts are doomed by the time they get to maybe Rockall or somewhere because the sea ice has actually killed them, uh, in, in, infested them and killed them, you know. So really, we had to take action. And the answer to the question was regards Scotland uh, versus Ireland. Scotland are well over almost the 250,000 tonnes at the moment production. And when we looked at them in, back in 2001, we met Scotland's Scottish anglers as well. And we agreed we would all campaign together. The key to the whole programme was we would object to new salmon um, cages in our bays uh, at, the planning permission, at planning stages. Um, we did that and at 25,000 tonnes at the time, both Scotland and Ireland were at um, Scotland's went 10 times increased. Ireland are down now at average 8 to 10,000. So that's the actions we have done. We've gone through the Agriculture Appeals Boards. We've gone through the whole process of planning and objected on the basis that they should go onshore with these uh, cages, uh, with these uh, salmon production units and Basically, like a smolt grow out, grow through, basically we say there's a, an RAS, um, recirculating, recirculating aquaculture systems, basically that actually sends clean water back out into the Atlantic instead of the contamination of uh, sea lice uh, that's there at the moment. And our campaigns over since really 2001, 2002 has actually paid off in that we have managed to reduce the uh, production in in the wild uh, you know estuaries uh, from uh, and by the way this also you know contributes greatly to the higher quality of water uh, water water quality because really the 
the, the cages are pollutants in their own right and the, the reduction of the numbers, like for example, if we didn't campaign in 2011 to Simon Coveney, who was the Minister for Agriculture and Agriculture at the time, there would be 700 cages in Galway Bay now. 700 coming from uh, Loch, Loch, um, from Inishir out. And really, like, you know, that would be, like, I mean, Galway Bay, the iconic, uh, pristine marine environment where, you know, international conferences on sailing and marine is held. Like, I mean, that would look like a, uh, really, uh, the sacrificing of uh, our wild, our, our Galway Bay to the industry, you know, so. There's a key, though, that the key phrase in that answer that you gave me, you know, is saying that the Norwegian government is, for, is enforcing this issue on the industry. Yes. Well, there's a department for the environment and there's a department for, you know, agriculture and aquaculture. And one is constantly, you know, uh, like our Department of Environment or, you know, the equivalent of natural resources versus, you know, uh, aquaculture here, you know. So, uh, but aquaculture and agriculture minister gets all the decisions in their favour. You know, there's no contest between you know, clean water and, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, like, I mean, the farmers IFA, who are actually the um, representatives and the lobbyers uh, of uh, some farming in Brussels everywhere, like, they are supremely professional in getting as much as possible for their members. And, you know, there is a very strong lobby. And, you know, we've constantly, since the 90s, been uh, up against fighting, you know, the, you know, the Goliath of, of, of that, you know. So we lose hands down in a lot of cases. But the good news from the government's point of view is the industry is coming to them with the solutions. In, uh, whereas one time we were looking for the government to, you know, regulate them and stop them from actually getting the, um, uh, you know, the concessions, you know, at the expense of the salmon consistently. And that's really, you know, what in actual fact, when a member is out angling and saying, you know, we're not seeing any improvements here, what is the cause? Okay, sea lice, you know, is one of them. You know, habitat enhancement is, is another. They want us as a federation, even though we're just a voluntary body of members, nobody's professional, nobody gets a, a salary and uh, everybody volunteers to, you know, uh, to, to, in, in this system. We're not professional and we should be to be able to actually counteract what in actual fact is a very lean, mean, effective machine up in the farm centre in in off the Nace Road, you know. So really, uh, our arguments, our principles, in that we have to actually keep water clean. We have to actually enhance the environment for a habitat that's, you know, will be conducive to create more salmon. And you know, to do that very professionally and match the professionalism of maybe. Of the, uh, the IFA 
we have to be, you know, at the top of our game. And uh, if you actually, for example, you know, look at a working week that we have here, you know, and among our board members, there's 20 of them from all around, dotted or all around the major salmon rivers of the country. And like in my particular ones last week uh, was a, a very serious uh, piece of time needed to be put into a forestry that in actual fact uh, a contractor goes in after 20 years and starts felling trees. But what they did in this case was put a bridge over a river so that they get trees that they felled across to the lorry or whatever. Now, they just blocked a particular river at the time and when, in actual fact, the middle of Storm Francis and Storm Ellen, you know, and put an enormous amount of debris and dirty, mucky, boggy water down into the channels of our Salmon River, you know. Like, I mean, uh, the damage that this caused at that particular time last week is horrendous. And uh, here, in actual fact, we have to go not just, you know, alert the services of Inland Fisheries Ireland and the Donegal County Council and all the culture and everybody else to the misdemeanor, but basically to try and actually get some sort of uh, rehabilitation for that river that's going to take up to maybe 10 years next, you know, if it ever comes back again, you know. And that's just due to one specific contractor thinking they'll get in and out fast out of a, an area where in actual fact there's used to dealing with felling trees, but maybe, ah, this river is an impediment to that problem at the moment, so we'll just drive through it, you know? And uh, that's the kind of thing that actually, you know, we have to be on our game to actually to uh, uh, re rectify when it happens, Dara. Can I ask you, Noel, um, I'm going to turn to the international focus. Um, you were back, or not back, you attended the NASCO conference virtually from over the summer. Um, what, what arose from that? And if you might just kind of maybe, was there any kind of insights or learnings? Yeah, well, our big... Uh, problem really are our big issue on everybody's agenda. First of all, our government. The good thing about NASCO, North Atlantic Salmon Conservation Organization Conference, is uh, for every year, it happens the first week in June, for every year, our government and our department under natural resources gets a report from Inland Fisheries Ireland and the other agencies like the EPA and um, with regards water quality. But actually anybody that's involved in enhancing the marine or the uh, habitat environment of the salmon. And they give that report as a state of the salmon in Ireland presentation to the conference. And we actually uh, grade it as sometimes for truth, sometimes for accuracy, but much more importantly, uh, with, with, with a means to actually improving it for next year all the time. And it, these 
reports are what we call implementation plans are up on the web which basically means that uh, everybody can see the pressure we're putting on our uh, state services to improve the, the, the wild Atlantic salmon habitat you know so from that point of view there's you know where where we've been last year and 10 years ago to now where in actual fact our wild Atlantic salmon are going and numbers and um, we're in decline you know we're you know uh, we've gone from you know 40 rivers closed to you know over 100 of the 147 now you know so like i mean things aren't pretty in the sense that we're we're definitely losing the battle so that's why in actual fact we go in onto this session in the floor and say more can be done much much more can be done and it's needed to be done urgently and yes drift netting was a big problem and since 2007, we've improved, you know, uh, the numbers. Now this year, when we go on next year and see the, we will know from, as Ken Williams says, you know, we'll get the figures in September, October. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, we need to see some sort of continuance of maybe three or four seasons before that happens. But I am convinced that the 2018 agreement between the Atlantic Salmon Federation of Canada and North America and the North Atlantic Salmon Fund, of which we are a founding member, FISTA is a founding member of it, and we actually uh, were part of the, uh, the deal signed up to in 2018. And this was a big deal in the sense that the former chairman who had died in 2015, Ori Vigvason, nobody knew where was the um, the um, deal uh, going to continue because the fishermen, the commercial fishermen needed their money and their, it was going to be very hard to fundraise. We asked the Irish government for to contribute. They wouldn't. They didn't see the merit in it. Uh, yet maybe now they may see the merit in it when you see the salmon numbers coming back. But in the meantime, we have, uh, you know, done our bit to try and actually make sure that the fishermen are paid. And with the deal in the Greenland case is for 12 years from 2018. So that's to 2030. Now that's a major, major achievement. And uh, that's why we're very, very hopeful that this you know, deal keeps on track so that we can actually see from at least the North Atlantic feeding grounds point of view, there is not going to be a problem uh, in the future unless we stop paying them. So from that point of view, yes, NASCO has been very, very helpful to us focusing and getting the, uh, the lobbying power right. And in our, the EU manages or, you know, speaks as the party for... Uh, Ireland at the at the um, the conference, and up until now, now it'll be different with Brexit now. But the UK and Scotland were part of the EU, and the EU was embarrassed in quite a lot of cases with regards to the unbridled development of salmon farming in Scotland. Like I mean, going from you know twenty five thousand tons in ten years to actually you know two hundred and fifty thousand tons showed really 
the failure of the angers for their, to stop the lobbying or, you know, that stopped the lobbying at the time. And much more importantly, the industry got every break uh, that they did get, you know, that they sought and hence the damage that there is to the wild salmon there. Looking ahead to 2021 and beyond, what's, what's on the agenda for FISTA and what can um, anglers who are listening to this um, do to do their bit as well? Our federation has consistently uh, used the NASCO conference internationally as the um, measuring stick to, to measure and also beat <laughs> our government into actually making decisions that will reduce the impact on uh, the, dev- the, the decline of the salmon. So really, uh, for not us to not just attend, but to participate actively and making sure that the, for example, our NGOs, uh, non-government organizations, there's about 40 of them, but the active ones in each country, especially in Norway, especially in uh, Scotland, especially in Canada, uh, where fish farming is very high, uh, we're very, very uh, effective. We're Ireland and Irish anglers. We're punching way above our weight there because now that in actual fact, we have this 2018 agreement starting to show good signs of a, an improvement. What we're saying, don't stop. We're saying, try and actually capitalize on this by getting even greater numbers because we have still got a long way to go to, to get back to any form of abundance that is our objective itself, you know? But for an angler, really, he, he just wants to join his club and his club uh, then actually uh, register with our federation to actually give us a, uh, a recognition and a represent- allow them to be represented, not just on the local input uh, for a plan with a minister, but for a the international plan as well. So I would suggest to them if they actually looked at the NASCO uh, and we'll have it up on our website very soon, uh, fista.com. But if they just look at the, and we're on Facebook as well, uh, the plans and the programs, but uh, that are down the line, which we look for support from our government for, you know, and, um, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting time in that, one, we now have a, a positive season uh, or a part of a season behind us. Hopefully it will continue this month uh, to be able to say our policies of uh, the Feeding Grounds North Atlantic Salmon Funds programme is working, playing, paying off. Please help us to, uh, for it to continue. But much more importantly, I think if they can actually, their members can get involved with their local club and look precisely at what's causing uh, the improvement and what's causing the decline and try more than, uh, uh, more often than not, it's water quality in the freshwater part of the, the, the system itself. 
but there's also the key damaging factors in the estuary with regards to the migrating smolt channel of uh, salmon farming cages there. Well, hopefully we're seeing the first shoots maybe of um, hope uh, this summer uh, in the midst of all the, the doom and gloom of the pandemic. Uh, Noel Carr, National Secretary with FISTA, um, thanks a million for joining me on the show. And for people who want more information, FISTA.com uh, and get involved with your local club really and um, see what you can do on the ground where, where you are fishing really, I suppose, is, is a good way to start. Noel, thanks a million for joining us. Thanks, Dara. My thanks to Noel Carr from FISTA for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. You can also keep up to date on IrelandOnTheFly.com as well as on Instagram and I'll be back next week with another episode about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland.